0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, and Shabbat Shalom. We are your hosts,
1: Gagav, Charlie, Dov, and Eitan.
0: We are four bachelors grazing the gates of our mind's eyes along the many facets of the universe's fundamental... Fuck it, let's just get started. Um, today's today's uh, episode is called Tracking Halley's Comet, where w- mm-hmm. we will be breaking down carpe diem, being versus becoming, and really taking control of your life. And our philosophies behind that. So, uh, Dove, how would you define carpe
2: diem? Um, this is the way I define that. Um, and I was having a conversation a few weeks ago with a friend, um, and obviously, like when when you hear teachers say that they're like seize the day, like appreciate every moment, blah blah blah. Um, but the first time I feel like I really understood that was when um, my friend Felix and I were sitting on a balcony drinking some coffee. And he said, like, we say to ourselves that, like, we appreciate, um, the world that we live in and, like, that it's cool that we're alive, but think about it this way. We can't say why there's something instead of nothing, but we can fully, like, appreciate in terms of why we exist in the universe. We can't say why there's something rather than nothing, as opposed to just, like, us not being here. But we, uh we can really like act and appreciate the fact that within the something that we do have, there is so much richness. And to act in a way that, um, that really appreciates that level of richness that we live in um, is, to me, like seizing the day.
0: Interesting. I think... So, we just moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and... I feel like since we've been here, there's sort of been a, a mindset shift for a lot of the people on campus. I've, yeah. I was talking with Charlie about this the other day, where like everyone's working out, everyone's trying to get some work done. Mm-hmm. We started this podcast uh, partially due to quarantine, but I honestly think that we probably would have done something similar regardless. And I think that it's a lot of carpe diem of being able to seize the day is the environment and the people you surround yourself with.
3: Um, so I actually had two very interesting conversations with Leo. This very very relevant stuff so one he was telling me about a, a blog post he read about this dude who always lived life by kind of analyzing the his options and deciding on what we felt was the best option and assessing the risk whatever and he decided that for a year all he was going to do was was choose what he felt was the riskiest option that had the highest had had the highest risk reward uh, ratio value we'll say value mm-hmm. uh, he, he did that for a year. And he wrote a reflection at the end of the year. He said eighty percent of the time things improved for him. Hmm. Um, so, so actually, so since a month ago when uh, Leo said that, wait, sorry, uh,
2: when he took more risks, yeah, improved.
3: Okay. 80, yeah, 80, it's eighty like percent of the year. Every time the decisions he wow. made throughout the year, just like his circumstances improved by making that riskier decision. You would
2: have been fine if it was just fifty-one percent, right? Yeah, that would have been enough.
3: Um, 80%. Eighty percent. Eighty percent. That's a lot. But um, I mean,
0: to what you said about like fifty-one percent. Personally, I might still struggle with that just because I'd rather feel more comfortable as, like, as a developing person, I'd still feel more, rather feel more comfortable in 100% of what I do, which is something I definitely need to work on with living in the moment
1: and taking risks. Yeah, there's also, um, something to be said about you feel the losses a lot more than you feel the victories. For example, the Mm. classic example is if you gain 200 pounds or dollars, I'll speak your language, um... (laughs) The feeling you get is like pretty good. Whereas if you lose two hundred dollars, it's like uh, it's, it Eitan has a lot really, more weight really to it. really wants
2: to gain two hundred pounds, though, not dollars. <laughs> so
3: it, it has is, a lot I mean, more. He's trying to bulk right now. We're, we're bulk season. Season.
1: It is indeed bulk season. So maybe that twenty percent of times that the risk doesn't pay off still feels worse than the eight percent times Chunky that it does.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that I don't know. We were just listening to the Midnight Gospel talk about like how. Um, contemplating your death um, changes the way you live your life and I don't know, to me, that's a very like hard thing to implement in my day-to-day life without just like simply being depressed about it but when I think about like, oh, if I look back on my life I would regret every time I didn't take a risk n- knowing that the only thing I would lose is knowing the outcome as opposed to just like Um, whether or not it did in the first place. I think that
0: absolutely contemplating death makes you want to get more out of your life and makes you feel more alive, as a lot of people with terminal diseases feel. Like, the situation we're in now could potentially be a deadly one. Obviously, like, thank God none of us have COVID at the moment, but Mm -hmm. being exposed to COVID and possibly contracting the virus can be a deadly experience. Um, For us, like, most likely not, just because we're healthy young people. But looking at what we're doing right now, I think answers that question where when you're faced with death, when you're faced with a perilous experience, you you are intrinsically motivated to get more out of it. You have to ask questions of
2: why not instead of why.
1: How often do you guys think about death?
3: Um, I guess pretty regularly. I would say day to day. Really? Really? Yes, really. Wow. I mean, especially recently. I feel like, especially recently, I've, I've just been thinking a lot about the nature of, of of existence and whatnot and then that and in and in pondering such a topic, you really
1: gotta think about death and mortality at least a little bit. So my my views on death completely changed after I uh, after I worked died. with Maya after <laughs> I yes. Which is um, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's like sort of a an ambulance organization. Um and I came face to face with a number of dead people and I remember thinking that this was not expect a expecting I wasn't expecting a how it would feel. I thought I would be more scared than I was um but it just looked totally natural in that moment and oh. b I also didn't expect it to look how I did. It was like very, very peaceful even so there was one patient who we'd just been given giving c p r to which is quite a violent procedure, and even through all of that violence, they still looked relatively peaceful and sort of at one with themselves almost i remember thinking that completely changed the way that i thought about um death and aging and yeah so that's uh, yeah that's basically where i'm at with it at the moment
2: at the beginning of like my senior year i like went through a couple weeks where like that was like the thing i was thinking about the most and like i think it was because in transitional moments of your life when you contemplate the next stage you end up like contemplating just kind of like mortality um, because you feel yourself aging and I, I came across this Yale um, class that sort of gave a lot of different interpretations of how you could view death. One of which was that you could argue that death is the same feeling as whatever was not there before you were alive. We were already not in existence for in infinite amount of time before we came into the world, and we will be not in existence for an infinite amount of time after. Ooh, but we should, like still, we should still feel like it's okay for us to be emotional about death, because whereas before that our natural state was the infinite nothingness, now the next infinite nothingness comes after life is taken away from us. We're still allowed to feel like something is being taken away, even if we've experienced that feeling before.
1: Um, this is a question for, um, Aitan. Okay. To what extent do you believe that thinking about death and talking about death is important? And, um, part B of that question is how do you think that allows or disallows us to carpe synthetum?
0: Um, so personally, I have, I have one instance where, in my life where, I was thinking about death a lot, and that sort of helped me come to terms with like the natural nature of death, and sort of helped me get over my fear of death. And one instance where like my life was technically in peril, and death didn't even cross my mind. So, when I was twelve years old, uh, my family moved houses, and like Dove said, during transitional periods of your life, you tend to think a lot about like what's to come. So I was. Moving houses, starting middle school—like there's a lot changing in my life. Yeah. Obviously, like looking back on it now, not huge problems, but for some reason, like mm-hmm. my twelve-year-old brain jumped straight to death, and I was, <laughs> I was <laughs> terrified for like a month straight. I remember I have a vivid memory of sitting on my porch swing right after we moved in, being like, "Well, this is gonna be gone one day," and I was I was terrified of that, and eventually, the way I got over that was just thinking like. I've seen, I've experienced death in my life with relatives, I've seen death, like, on movie screens, in society. I obviously know that death is natural, why should I be afraid of it? And that sort of helped me get over my fear of death. And uh, so later in life, uh, after my freshman year of high school, I had a spinal fusion surgery where the the first surgery, it was to correct scoliosis. And the first surgery, I ended up coming out of the surgery perfectly fine. And then four hours later, I started to develop paralysis. And in that moment, I was like, I'm going to be fine. Like, death didn't cross my mind once. Then I ended up in the ICU. There were, like, sirens would go off every, like, hour because someone was in a near-death experience. And I was in that grouping of people who were dangerously ill and for whatever reason death didn't cross my mind once just because I had come to terms with the fact that like life's going to throw shit your way and you're just going to have to get over it and so for me I think the acceptance that death is natural has allowed me to to carpe some dm, as you said.
2: Can I just jump in really quick? Um, I just have like two different questions that I'm like thinking of so I'm just going to put them out there and see if they are any food for thought. I think a piece of what we're talking about right now is about the interaction between our fundamental understanding of death as a scientific thing, as something that exists in nature and us becoming part of nature, and as a spiritual thing and, and how we utilize death. And then my my next question is what what do you think ends up being the is there a difference in outcome between a religious philosophy, say Christianity that says Everything you do in this life determines, like if you go to heaven or hell,
4: mm-hmm.
2: as opposed to what I believe, and I could be proven wrong by Rabbi Adam, is the Jewish, um, the Jewish lens on this, which says it's not about the next life or where you go after you're dead. It's about this life. This is the one life you get. That's what you're supposed to um, act upon. Um, so those are my two questions. The my two questions are like the scientific versus the spiritual, and then the. What we do in this life versus what we do in this life or the next.
3: For sure, um, yeah, I I always kind of to think of uh, two points, um, and one is that uh, so the first point is that oftentimes that, that I don't think it's good to frame uh, our approach to life and carping diem uh in, in the sense of in the I don't, I, don't think, I don't think we should look at it as 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 our motivators should not be. The limits of our mortality, but rather the uh, infinite potential of this moment. Mm-hmm. Not looking at it in, in, in the, not not looking in terms of death, but terms of, of life. And the other thing is that when we first got here to, to Jerusalem, uh, I sat with Leo and calculated how many minutes we'll be in Jerusalem for. <laughs> uh, and we have, and from this point, we have a little bit less than hundred thousand minutes left. So and the, and the idea fuck. is that i don't those like minutes, that. <laughs> I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> and 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 in being here, uh like like so much of that time will be asleep and so much of that uh-huh. time will be on the toilet and so much of that time will uh be in class or or whatever and that you can not obviously you cannot carpe every minute but that Why not? Uh it's cuz uh, I shall jump to that later. Do we need to that right now? You, sure. You, we can, yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, you can't carpe every minute because it's like uh, we we live life in terms of contrast, and it's kind of yeah, like you can't. Yeah, so, yeah. so so yeah. Th- th- there's that, and, and also that you, that that you need if, if you're carpeing every minute, there's not enough time for things to develop for you to carpe things. So t- yeah. <laughs> <that's> <laughs> <reasons> <laughs> a verb. That that's, that if, if I yeah. just see something right now, the next minute there's not enough. Change, uh, in the, in that one minute, for you to seize the next thing, for you to grow enough. So it, it takes some. Um, there is a refractory period that is necessary for us to to grow to carpet the next proper minute. For but sure. W- Wait, Nadav, what time is it? Oh shit! Oh, uh, I just got. Oh shit! Look at that. It's it's call your, your mom. mom time. Time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, today we're gonna be calling our mom Sheer. So, let's get her on the phone. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom. Hi. So, we, we, have some que- we have some questions for you.
4: Too
0: soon. Yes. So, yes. Today, today our episode is discussing uh, Carpe Diem, seizing the day, and really making the most out of life. And we've uh, stumbled upon the topic of death and religion in relation to that. So we were wondering if death and religion um, affect your views on making the most out of your life and getting the most out of what you do.
4: Uh, <laughs> um, well, religion, not so much. Mm-hmm. But after spending time with the Brits, I guess I should say that m- maybe it is. <laughs> I still want them to like me
0: Of course
4: Um. And death Wow I guess uh, You know after serving in the army And looking in the enemy's eyes No I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> Yeah I have nothing to add to this conversation
0: <laughs> All good I respect uh, it uh, it was great to hear from you though, and we hope to have you back on the what? show. It was great to hear from you, and we definitely hope to we're have- we a... Yeah, we, we were in- rudely interrupted by a
1: FaceTime call. Apologies. Okay, Shia, I have one question for you. Um, yes. how, how do you go about trying to seize as much of every day as possible?
4: I woke up and I saw one movie, one stand-up comedy, and like two episodes. Of a series I see, so I'm not really the good person to that. <laughs> uh, you should do one thing that challenges you every day <laughs> one thing that takes you out of your comfort zone.
1: Amazing. Are you going to follow that advice today? Mm, maybe tomorrow. She already did. She you already did.
0: She Coming on home. the podcast. There we yeah. go. Is this your first podcast that you've what? been on?
4: This is my first podcast. Wait, people are going to hear me talking?
0: No, this is going to be entirely private and not distributed to anyone.
4: (laughs) okay.
0: All right, we'll talk to you later, but thank you for coming on. Bye. Bye -bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Now we're going to listen
1: to Dovey the Cracker. (laughs) That's some ASMR right there. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that we started talking about how to seize the day, and within... Two minutes and something seconds. We already were talking about death. Yeah. It's kind of... A little bit. I think that it's just just been sitting
3: on our minds a lot today because we watched two Midnight goth episodes that dealt (laughs) a lot with death. Well, that's true. true. And also, last night we were talking about arrival and and time and death and understanding time. So I think that that's fair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, back to arrival... The the movie poses a very interesting question. If you haven't seen Arrival, I don't think this will spoil anything. Uh, great movie. You should all watch it. Agreed. Um, if you can fully understand the rest of your life and see where your life is going to go, would you change anything? And like, are you fully able to carpe diem and seize the moment if you can see the if you can see the end of your life?
3: Um. So I think what was, uh, not intending to spoil anything, I think what was what they were saying in arrivals that I th- I really like how they painted this idea of knowing the future, uh, and that you could communicate with different parts, that like the different different that different parts of time as we understand it could communicate with each other, and that's it like mm-hmm. it's like drawing a circle, different bits at a time with with both of your hands, and that. You might, in permanent marker, draw two curves, mm. but that eventually, as once your life is complete, it'll be a circle. Mm. So you're not necessarily writing your whole life by knowing the end, knowing this bit, that mm. bit. It's that slowly, you're 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 drawing you're you're drawing your own painting, and that the journey is part of that, and that there's destinations within the journey. That the final destination is not necessarily the ultimate as a
2: destination. If you, going off of that. Um if you knew the end of your life, or at least like you, you knew beginning, middle, and end. Um, my, I guess my question is like, what is, what do we, what do we take from that about free will? Like, does, does that mean that knowing the future is inevitably going to cause you, even with free will, to still make your own choice, like the same choices that you do in the future, and that's how you know it's the future? Or is there some possibility of, is it, is it an illusion?
1: Or is there some possibility that you still have free will? I mean, my view is as long as it feels like I have free will, I'm not really too bothered. I feel like just then I had the choice of whether to speak or not. And whether or not that was predetermined, it felt to me as if I did have a choice. So um, unless I'm feeling particularly existential, um, I don't know, that's kind of satisfying enough for me.
3: I think... That because we cannot definitively prove whether or not we have free will, we should operate under the assumption that we do, because that is the safest. Uh, yeah, that's it's the like, safest assumption to operate under. It's like
2: how we operate. I mean, how I choose to operate. At least I feel like you guys would agree with like simulation theory, where like you can't prove we're <laughs> in a simulation or not. Although there's many. Things that I would argue in the Yama group chat that point to there being glitches in the simulation, such but as <laughs> inconclusive COVID tests, inclusive COVID tests, um, Dutch people not being able to pay for a get, but being able to pay for two weeks of Did an you just Airbnb. Dutch
1: people—a glitch in the matrix, possibly. <laughs> but no, but
2: but seriously, like if <laughs> take that Holland. It's easier. It's easier to live with the assumption that we have free will. Just like it's easier to live, not giving a shit net, about whether or not we're Amsterdam to is one
0: giant acid trip, <laughs> but. No, yeah, what you're saying is true. Like, it's just a matter of perception, and, like, if you perceive the world to be a certain way, you're going to believe it, and that's just how you're going to function with, with that assumption.
1: Would you rather know when you die or how you die?
2: How. When. 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 How I agree. When. Why, how? Um, I would want to know, I mean, I think how would tell me, would give me a good understanding of if, if it was natural... Um, then I would I would hope it would be because um, I lived long and if it was not natural I would hope it would be because I died for the right cause.
1: There's a few advantages to knowing when as opposed to how. Like if you knew you are in your last week then you may try and carpe as much of every diem as you can. Equally I would not want to go to sleep knowing that it's my last ever sleep. Um, the disadvantage of how being if I know I'm gonna die in a car crash I will be inclined to never get in a car, but then if I'm still going to die in a car crash, then somehow it will still catch up on me. I th-
0: I w- I'm very pro... Like, actually, okay, I'm going to re- restart. Okay. Um, oh, I'm going I'm to ignore that. Um, so I'm definitely on Team Wen. I'm on Team when because I think that I will just get more out of life if I know when I'm going to die, just like the end of life. You you know when it's going to end, so you know your timetable to do what you want. How I'm, like Charlie said, he's inclined to never get in a car again if he knows he's going to die in a car crash. That's limiting what I can do with my life. Right. And I'd just so much rather not have my life limited to specific tasks and specific actions.
2: At risk of sounding like I'm I'm clueless in an intelligent conversation, in this case, I very sincerely believe that there is a balance because... I think the same logic I think no, I think the same logic I use to say that I wanna know how I die could be applied to when I die. If I think how would be like natural as old age potentially, or um, earlier as for a cause potentially, I could say that knowing when would give me the same conclusions, early being an assumption of for a cause and later being an assumption of hopefully of old age. So I I'm indifferent.
3: I'm we'll gonna legitimately continue to use those stupid phrases, even if they're hilarious. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was laying against the wall, but I uh, I before we began this conversation about stupid phrases and smart conversations. Also, can we read those at some point because they're yeah, hilarious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I would say that life is a balancing act and, and changing winds, and that you need to shift your weight and and lean into different. Uh, uh, answers. Kind of like, like the risk taking you were talking about
0: before, yeah. With the, like eighty percent, twenty percent risk uh, reward.
3: Well, yeah, for him, for him, the entire year he's leaned into riskiness, but that uh it's not a balance. But that we don't, we don't know, we don't hmm. know the how intense. He benefited the, from not
2: having a balance. Well,
3: well, we don't know things. We don't, we don't know how intense the the damage was from the twenty percent. We don't know how intense the reward was from the eighty percent. Not But no reason that eighty percent of the time it right. was reward much of the time it was it was not, um, and so uh, so I, I think taking that into consideration, uh, yeah, you still need to still need to balance in that again with like you don't carpe every DM you you carpe every appropriate DM.
0: <laughs> sure. Um. Speaking of carping a DM, I think we can introduce our our listeners to how to sound intelligent in any conversation. We have compiled a list of phrases that can make you sound intelligent in conversations that you have known nothing about, and uh, we are more yes. than willing to show them to you. So, Dove, do you want to take it away?
2: Yeah, I'll take it away. This is uh, this is our one-stop shop for how you guys can also create your own podcast <laughs> <laughs> while you're listening to ours. This is us just pulling pulling the curtains back on what we're doing this whole time. Okay, here's a list of a few phrases to uh, sound intelligent, even when you're clueless in conversation. So, the first one that we use all the time is... I feel like there's a balance, but really you could use that in, like, a conversation where you're, like, it's two people and you have no idea, like, what you believe, and you're just like, well, I feel like there's a balance, or you Mm -hmm. really don't want to get into a really big argument, so you're like, well, like, there's a balance. Always works. The other one is, like, it depends on the context, because it always depends on the context. (laughs) There's there's no context except this one in which it does not depend on the context. Um... (laughs) It's okay. It's, he's washing his hands. It's COVID. Um, I feel like it's changed with time. Um, change is yeah. oh. the only constant, of I course. Like it it changes, changes with time.
3: With time. Okay. Yeah, that that, that yeah. one annoys me.
2: Yeah, obviously. Um, and then the other one for COVID specifically, I feel like is when you're in a conversation with people and someone who like doesn't know what to say just wants to sound like emotionally with it, and they're like, "Ah, oh, COVID is just really tough for blank." It made it made <laughs> going to the movies really tough. Now I have to watch it on my computer. or They're like. Damn, I wish I could eat in restaurants. COVID really screwed that up. Yeah, or any, it's any made other... Any strangers horrible. Any other true but okay. obvious anecdote. And it makes everyone seem like they're emotionally with it, even though like it's the most bland thing to say about COVID. Eh.
1: I don't know about, about that one. I feel like it depends on the context. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's definitely a balance to
2: strike there. I mean, <laughs> Yeah. And hopefully so, it will no, change no, no. the time. It, it depends yeah. entirely on the
3: context, though. And then yeah. what it, I did it did I have saved some really awkward pauses and conversations by just saying Yeah, COVID really fucked up. Yeah, bro. it's so true. <laughs> it's so
1: true. It's, it's so empty. Because every
2: no one can look at you and be like,
1: You're you're wrong. wrong. Like yeah. every time
2: it's like yeah bro, like it's so it's so woke of you to say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: But like how do how do those um those conversation points scale? <laughs> that's the next one how does
2: that scale that that's a similar one to, to saying like Shout i don't see, Adam. To see i don't see how that's a sustainable model like when someone's saying something and you're just like bro like i get what you're saying but like how are you going to implement that like
0: how does this list a sustainable model
2: yeah how exactly how does it scale <laughs> it's meaning how does it scale unless you the viewers use this to make your own podcast food for thought
0: um, if someone sends us a recording of them using strictly these phrases to have a conversation, you can be a guest on the podcast.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm going out of order here cause I'm saving the last one cause I think it's probably my favorite one. Um, but one of them is just like when you're in like a boardroom meeting or something like that and like someone is saying something pretty intelligent. And you don't really know how to say something smarter than it. So you're like, I think what you're actually trying to say is this. And then you very, very minorly rephrase what they're saying <laughs> and say the exact same thing back to them. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So now they finally understand it. they re- finally processed Just what the to other give you context,
0: are these are all things that we have said in conversation to attempt to look intelligent.
3: <laughs> also, something you can really do, and it makes you look smart. Uh, it depends look. on the context whether or not it makes you look intelligent, though. When somebody's giving a presentation, it's like, could you just go back a slide? Um. <laughs> can you better. please go yeah back a slide it's yeah, rewind this on 10 one.
0: seconds to fully understand the meaning of what we just said
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay
2: and then my favorite one i think this is i don't know i think this is the funniest one ever and again like this this one it just de- it really depends is when you say when you quickly chime in Deterred a percentage into a fraction. <laughs> so someone is like someone is like, so seventy-five percent of people who get COVID die, hypothetically. And you're like, oh wow, so so really like the amount of people who die is every every three out of four people. That's crazy. And then you sound like, wow, you really like you're so low. Quick box. Mm-hmm. Basically Stephen Hawking at this point. Basically Stephen Hawking. Walking talking, Stephen Hawking. Oh my god. No, so, yeah, that one I just think is the most ridiculous one ever. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Cause like the same one as like rephrasing someone because you you couldn't come up with something else to say, but it's like so obvious.
1: So if you want to copy some DM out of a conversation, those are the the start points that we would give you. Yeah, go get yourself into a new and, conversation.
2: Today. And if you find that there's others that you commonly also um, find in your day to day lives, please send us a message. We'll add <laughs> it to the list.
0: We uh, got... Flat Earth Society at Facebook.com.
2: Don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, us like that, song.
1: Come on. Aiton, I was wondering, how, how did you come up with the, the title for this presentation? Why Halley's Comet? So,
0: Halley's Comet, if you're unaware, is a once in a lifetime astrological phenomenon where Halley's Comet is visible in the night sky. And I was, like, I was thinking about it on the toilet yesterday. That's where I had most of my profound thoughts. And on on my Porcelain Palace. Um, Porcelain Throne, my bad. And I was like, we should do a podcast about really seizing the day. And I was thinking for a name. And I was like, what's something that like you never get to do but would love to do? And then I was thinking about like once in a lifetime experiences and I was like, Haley's Comet. And that's how we got here. So really I think we can wrap up the podcast today by saying by posing this question to you. Wait, wait, before we pose the question, oh. so it's like,
3: Credit to Sarah Cooper for the percentage uh, idea and 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 the uh, slide idea. So very
0: very similar to one of my favorite questions, which you can also answer yourself. What is your personal Alamo? Um, you know, feel free to answer that one as well. Um, Today's question that we will leave you with...
3: every question just include the word hell?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Today's question that we will leave you with is, what is your personal Haley's comment? And if not, go find it. Thank you for listening to Talking Heads Club, and we'll see you soon.